What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here back on the map. I'm your host, Connor Angels. And today I want to get into a very intricate, layered subject. This is going to require some context, some fundamentals, foundation thrown down before I sort of get into the meat of the subject. Uh, because it is a little more on the esoteric side. <clears throat> and I want to make sure that I preface things before I start to get into what I really want to talk about. So first, I just want to start off by talking about some of the limitations we have on the five senses, but I'm only going to be focusing on two, which is um, vi from, you know, what we can perceive visually and audibly. So when it comes to the electromagnetic spectrum, we can perceive a very small portion of that. RGB, obviously, the three cones that we have that allow us to see red, blue, and green and everything in between. And, you know, we can't see things like microwaves or ultraviolet stuff that is also on this large spectrum. And our eyes aren't able to process these things. Our brain can't process them. So there is a lot going on around us that we cannot visually perceive. Again, some animals can perceive a lot differently than we or less. Uh, I think monochromatic is the term. I could be wrong. For people that only see in black and white, I believe we are trichromatic. But there's also people that are tetrachromatic, which means they have four cones instead of three. This only occurs, and I believe, around 10% of women. It, men cannot be tetrachromatic. Um, but they, they have this extra layer of color that they can see. It's pretty incredible. So it's hard for them to match their clothes. What I'm trying to get at this is think about being someone that was monochromatic. You could only see black and white or maybe just gray, I forget. You only know what you know. So you're very limited with, you know, there's those limitations on you that you wouldn't even know that there's a whole nother level of color in, that, in this world. So let me move on to an audible perspective. We can perceive between 20 hertz and around 20,000, but as time goes on, it tails off rapidly to, you know, 15,000 hertz, then the 12,000 hertz. Dogs can hear, I think, up to like 50,000 hertz. So uh, that's why there's like dog whistles and we can't hear it. But then bats, like they can hear, I think, up to like 150,000 hertz, something insane. What I'm trying to get at here is, again, we are limited on what we can audibly perceive. So when you mix that in with visual, you know, visual audibly, there's a lot going on around us that we are not even capable of intaking. <laughs> and it's really incredible to think about it that way. I want to touch on one more thing before I kind of get into a hypothetical scenario is brainwave states. So throughout the day, brainwaves essentially is the amount of um, 
electric signal that our neurons are producing to create thoughts and communicate with one another. So when we're asleep, we're in delta state. That's when the, you know, and this elect, this activity of brainwave state is measured in cycles per second. So when we're asleep in delta, it's one cycle per second. Not a lot of brain activity going on because we're not conscious. But when we're awake and we are alert, we are in beta state. This is around 13 cycles per second to 30. So it's a lot more brain activity, obviously. And in between, there's alpha and theta, which is like when you're falling asleep. And I could go into detail about those, but it's a lot. So I, I kind of, I'll put that aside. I just kind of want to preface this sort of brain uh, activity that goes on and is measured. I think it could be measured on an EEG or something, but there's also uh, this, you know, you think about what if we were, what if there was a limitation on that? Just like we have our visual limitations and audible limitations, what if there was a limitation on our brain activity that we are we could be capable of so much more. What if we could get to a hundred cycles per second? You know, different parts of the brain communicating with one another that don't normally do so. So the reason I bring this up is because in Imperial College in London, last year they did a study. And this is where it gets interesting. So 20 participants came in and allowed themselves to be injected with DMT, dimethyltryptamine, which for those of you that don't know what DMT is, it is a mind-altering, you know, sort of psychedelic that uh, it's released in our brains naturally, I believe, from the pineal gland when we sleep but it's also found in plants and animals and stuff like that. So it's, you know, it is in nature and it is this sort of mind altering substance. So these 20 participants were being injected with a pretty large amounts of DMT and they all reported seeing the same entity, the same sort of divine godlike creature that was giving them this information, you know, without even speaking to them. And I think from what I read online, it was saying that like areas of the brain were kind of turned on that weren't usually turned on when on this mind altering substance DMT. So when you think that we're not using all of our brain all the time, well, what if we could? So now I want to present a hypothetical scenario. You know, what if we're in the woods going on a walk and it's starting to get late and one of us sees something, you know, a Bigfoot or a skinwalker or an otherworldly entity? ghost for all I care what if one of us saw that but the other person didn't let's say I think that would raise three questions did it happen in base reality when I say base reality it's like what everyone could have perceived so if the uh, you know if the person you're on the walk with that can't see it or didn't see it 
chances are it wasn't in base reality. The second question would be, did that person's mind play a trick on them? Because we are all very capable of our brains playing tricks on us. Happens all the time. But then there's a third question. I think with the sort of information that I've prefaced, the third question would be, what if that entity or otherworldly creature or whatever it was, was actually there, but it was only only that person that saw it was capable of seeing it. So in other words, what if their brain state was, you know, they're in a different state of mind. Their brain is like, you know, if we think of the brain like an antenna and we're kind of like able to channel different states of consciousness, like you're able to perceive this entity that was there. And again, we're so limited on a visual level and an audible level. So who's to say it wasn't there? Maybe it wasn't your brain playing a trick on you, but only you were capable of seeing it because you were in a receptive mindset. I know that sounds, you know, it sounds far-fetched, but I think with the amount of limitations on our brain, the amount of limitations on the five senses, we really don't know. I mean, if these 20 people are seeing the same entity on this mind-altering substance, that was real in some dimension. That was real when their brains were operating in different levels of consciousness with more activity. So... Think about, too, ancient Greeks and mythology and ancient civilizations like Egypt where these hieroglyphics or these, you know, depictions of these bird-headed creatures or, you know, a sphinx or a giant beetle or in mythology with centaurs and mermaid people. It's just all so there's such a strong emphasis on these otherworldly entities or creatures and who's to say they weren't real maybe they were only real in a particular paradigm or altered state of consciousness and if you only know what you know if someone that is monochromatic can only see in black and white when clearly there's a lot more. That's kind of the point I'm trying to convey is that like we need to live with a sense of humility when we only know what we know. We're not capable of seeing everything or hearing everything or able to understand all the things that are happening around us or the different realities or different dimensions. There's, you know... When you think about limitation, it really opens the door to a whole nother level of subjects and possibility. So I also think too, like if they're like eating a lot of plants back in the day and there's like DMT in these plants, okay, maybe those civilizations were all perceiving these entities because of maybe their dietary habits you can't rule these sort of things out. And 
I don't know, when you think about Egypt and like the pyramids or these grand structures that really are impossible to recreate and the amount of precision, them being aligned with Orion's belt. I mean, it's the, the giant blocks of limestone that it would have been impossible to recreate today. Who's to say they didn't have help from otherworldly entities? You know, we, we don't know. And it's fun to entertain the subjects and keep the door open because that also allows us to live with humility, live with a stronger sense of creativity and just be humble. Like we don't know everything. We, we really don't know anything because <laughs> I find the more that I know or the more that I learn, the less that I know. So anyway, please let me know what you guys think. I, I really love this sort of subject. And I think it's, you know, something that I wish there was like a little more conversation around because I like to talk about things that, you know, kind of allow those neurons to connect in a way that they don't normally do. It's fun to think in a different way or entertain these subjects. So I'd love to know what you guys think. Thanks for joining me here and hope to see you next week on the map.